0: Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you, sir? Another week, another podcast. Let's do it. I am ready. Uh, this week is another podcast after a loss, uh, which is kind of in the norm here. It's become our specialty recently. Uh, the unfortunate specialty of after a loss where Missouri just not scored a touchdown either. Uh, Missouri lost 23-6 to to Florida's L of you probably know. Uh, now 5-5. Five and five. And they have Tennessee coming in this weekend, who is also 5-5. Five and five, But they have won three straight. Missouri has lost four straight. they yeah, got a tale of two different 5-5 five and five
1: ball clubs at that point uh, going into this Saturday. But for Mizzou, I think the question that we have and that everybody has is, what happened to the offense? Six points in the
0: last nine quarters combined. 27 in the last four games. 145 minutes without a touchdown. 30 straight possessions. Just
1: we we can we can
0: we can slice and dice however we want that's not good no not at all uh, and and it's weird it's like it happened right in front of our eyes of the, those of us who were I guess at the game. I mean, it was even probably playing for the home fans to see the team who left and scored 38 against a good old Miss team who put up 37 against uh, LSU at home and then you see them come back and score 6 at home against Florida and you can just it looks like it looks like two different teams. I mean, it, it it this is a Jekyll and Hyde type team. I mean, and you're facing another one, but you're getting the better of the Jekyll and Hyde coming from Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is a team that lost to Georgia State at home and BYU at home. Then hung on and gave Alabama a game, and now has won three straight games as well with UAB, Kentucky, and South Carolina. So, where does this matchup fall for you? Is this is this a, a cakewalk for Missouri, like it has been the past two years, or is this a dangerous matchup for them against Tennessee, which is even odd to say? I don't think it's a cakewalk uh, at this point. Uh, you
1: know, I can't imagine. Uh, a way that going into this, um, anybody, uh, you know, from from the coaches to the players to the fans would, would feel that way. Um, but this is a very winnable game. Um, this is much more winnable than uh, at Georgia or home versus Florida. Uh, but the offense is going to have to execute, and I think that I mean that's the thing to look for. The, the defense, time and time again, has given the Tigers a chance. Um, but it's just going to come down to getting that ball in the end zone, even just that first time, to get some confidence going. Um, and, and who's going to be that playmaker for the Mizzou offense to really kind of get over that
0: hump? And if it, if they don't have that playmaker, who's the guy that raises their game? I mean, at this point in the season, I mean, you're in week 13 of the college football season, and we maybe don't know the identity of this team yet. It's It's crazy to think about that. You know, we were like, okay, they're 5-1, and one. Missouri's in first place in the SEC East. This could be a really a game-changing type season for them. We expected nine wins, but maybe even pushing double digits is still, even with the loss to Wyoming, was something on the table. And we're still waiting for that sixth win. I mean, I told the story on the radio last week of how we had an idea to write a column where I talked to Jim Sturk and Vanderbilt about the appeal and how, you know, because they were playing Vanderbilt, who had looked terrible and has looked terrible since the Missouri game. Uh, just about you know how it puts pressure on the NCAA because Missouri gets their sixth win and you know it, it looks like they're going to springboard to much more and still waiting for that still win waiting number six. for win number six and still waiting on the appeal <laughs> which we'll get into a little bit later but as comes with the territory of losing four straight and having the, the Missouri fan base as it is uh, you know Barry's had to answer questions about his job security you know uh, credit to Gabe Diarmid of Power Mizzou you know when he asked the tough questions you got to give the uh, you know, basically our competition, for lack of a better words, some credit here. But he did ask Barry straight up just about his job status on Tuesday, and credit to him for doing so. Um, but Barry gave a very candid response about everything. I mean, and and you have to think about, it's just, unfortunately, college football is a business of, what have you done for me now? And Barry understands that. But it's also a business... That is concerned of more than wins and losses, and I'm not talking about the grade point average. I'm not talking about the graduation rate, and those are the things that Barry mentioned in full. I'm talking about monetarily. If Missouri loses or doesn't make a bowl and is held up, I mean this 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 year Missouri, uh, Missouri athletics is going to be at such a huge deficit because they're not getting any bowl money, and then on top of that, you're getting, you know, it's basically going to cost you the university over five million dollars to fire Barry. And because they have to pay him the rest of his base contract, which is $450,000 a year, every year from now until 2024. So that adds up to about $1.9 million by itself. And he's guaranteed like some money on top of that, which is guaranteed money, which is going to be about $5 million combined. I mean, it's just, it's, if, if Missouri loses to Tennessee and Arkansas and, they come out and fire him, which I think if 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 Barry is no longer going to be Missouri's head coach going forward, they're not going to wait around too long after the Arkansas game for that to take place. <laughs> that that's a statement saying we don't think Barry can ever do it here a year after he got eight wins, which, is, which which is just a tough juxtaposition. I know Jim Strick didn't hire him, but it seems like they get along well. It, it, it would just be an odd odd thing. But in a nutshell, I know my opinion, but do you think? Barry is coaching for his job this weekend. Yes or no? That's a tough question, but... I don't think so. I don't think so either.
1: Uh, And and that's just my gut feeling. Um, The sense that I have is um, no doubt um, what has transpired in this losing streak has made his seat warmer Um, to lose out in the regular season, which would mean a loss to Arkansas. uh, Which... You 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 can look at Tennessee. Okay, it's it's going up against a 500 team. Arkansas. That that would be you know within um, you know just the the landscape of of that matchup right now and how Arkansas has been doing. I mean that uh, that would be um, more inexcusable than any loss this season. Yeah, Um, sure. I do still think. even even if you're looking at I say it's six and six or, or at, at worst five and seven um, Barry is, is it gonna be on the hot seat entering next season but I, I think the benefit of the doubt goes to uh, you know the, the guy coaching his alma mater uh, you know he, he he he's had four years to kind of a, a establish himself and, and this could have been that breakthrough year it has not been there is disappointment there uh, but I, I do think there is just that the, the opportunity for him to have more time. And I do think that, that the athletic department from, from Jim Sterk on down, I, I think um, that, that's something that, that Barry is going to get. Um, But the seat does get hotter
0: by the loss. Yeah, I think Barry's, Barry's seat's going to be hot no matter what. Entering 2020 after this season, losing to Vanderbilt, losing to Kentucky, his seat's going to be hot no matter what. It's just, is it an inferno surrounding him? Or is it just kind of like, you know, is he in a little bit of a microwave? You know, that, that's what he has to under. That's what's basically being figured out here. Uh, you know, and the thing that also concerns me is that not that Missouri athletics would care about this, but because it's happened in other places like Willie Taggart, at LS, uh, LSU, and FSU, and other places like that. But it would be around 365 days of giving him the complete total vote of confidence publicly for them to completely have a 180 in one year shows just uh, some incompetence on their part that oh my God, he's our guy he's our guy for the next generation of kids which you, which is a, basically you're saying that into 2024 those class of 2024 right now it would be in eighth grade if my math is correct. so you're saying basically the kids that you know are, are you know gonna be graduating you know high school now. You know that are coming through. This is the guy you want coaching the next generation of kids. It's your team, that being high school or high school seniors that graduate in 2024. So. And to revert course, and I mean, it's not like there's a big name hire waiting out there for this team. I mean, who do you do you bring in Craig bull who beat you at Wyoming, who's doing really well this year? I mean, I don't think there's that guy waiting in the wings that is like the program savior. I don't think Josh Hooper would come want to come back here from UCF. I I, I don't know. I don't think there's that guy that's just you know. Oh my God, if Barry leaves, we have him lined up. There is there isn't that guy out there. So let me put it this way. I mean, I I
1: think the best thing for Mizzou and then this is just as a matter of fact, is Barry winning with this program? I agree. I completely agree. Uh, th- there's not an unlimited leash when it comes to that. I don't think one season makes or breaks a program. Sometimes, however. It does. Sometimes it, it does. Uh, it, it, it can make or break whether a head coach has its, has his job. Um, like I said, I, I do think Barry is coming back um, regardless of how this plays out. But we're going to learn a lot, I think, just just about what's going on inside that locker room and when what, what they can produce on the field these next couple weeks, really the next,
0: wow, nine days. Um, yeah, I mean, today is November 21st, and Missouri's last game of the year is on November 29th. To think about, that's just nuts. We have Thanksgiving and some basketball, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, and so much is happening in the next nine days. But Missouri football season is guaranteed only through you know, eight more times going to sleep. I, I just, that just sounds a little weird, but that's, this is exactly where we are in the season. Uh, and we actually have former Tribune football writer, Blake Topmeyer, uh, coming uh, on the podcast a little bit later. Uh, he'll, He's now writes about Tennessee. He'll break down this this Jekyll and Hyde versus Jekyll and Hyde matchup, uh, and you'll hear more from him. But before we go, we want to talk a tiny bit more about the NCAA uh, appeal, because, I mean, Missouri still hasn't heard anything, and we're more now more than four months since the NSA heard the appeal in Indianapolis and this is going reach this is gonna reach if it's not already right on the doorstep but the 300 day mark of this is this is enveloped this entire year for Missouri I mean I can't do the math right in my head real quick but you know this goes into December we're right on the doorstep of 300 days since these sanctions were first first announced on January 31st and now it's it's a matter of Missouri might be hearing the first week of December after they've already gotten to six wins. That's why six wins is now important for this team is that – Missouri is going to accept their bowl game sometime, basically December 8th. So, if they don't hear, by December 8th, win or lose, this extends to the 2020 season. I mean, yes, if they lose to Tennessee and Arkansas, they take it this year no matter what, and it becomes a non the biggest non-story ever of, well, and now we focus on the scholarship limitations, which is so much less important than the revenue and everything that would come from the SEC. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do think that if... Uh, you know, they still get some, don't get some money from the conference wide bowl affiliations that if they don't get the bowl ban overturned, but it's nothing compared to what they would make themselves. So we still haven't heard anything. Uh, Barry had a really good quote from my story from Wednesday's Tribune, kind of on all of this. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where we stand. I mean, it's still just a big uncertainty as to where things go from here for the Missouri Athletic Department. I mean, we, I don't think there's a soul that thought we'd still be waiting right now to hear everything. I don't think there's a person, and you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious as to what's taking so long, even if it's good or bad. I, just just, this seems a little more straightforward to me, especially after reading the Mississippi State stuff. Like, why are we still here on November 21st? Why are we still here? You know, we we should know by now. It it just it's just a little odd, and it goes beyond odd. I I don't want to call the NCAA incompetent because maybe maybe them sometimes they deserve it, but. Is there something more going
1: on there that we don't know?
0: I mean, honestly, well, that, that's what
1: we're all trying to, to ask ourselves right now because it really doesn't make sense why it would drag out to this extent. Um, you know, and, and the ongoing challenge for Mizzou, uh, <laughs> while trying to record win number six, which has proven very elusive, uh, is is just to, to to keep that focus on on getting Bull eligible in the first place. To where the NCAA appeal, the decision there would would loom large for this season. Um, You know, it's 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 really hard to think about right now if there is no decision. um, That bull ban then maybe being enforced next year, and and this kind of hanging over the the head of the program for 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 another 365 days. That would be brutal. Um, But that's where we are. But that's where we are, and just and and where we are is just this, uh, this element of the unknown um element of the unknown about what what exactly do we have with this mizzou football team this season and when are we going to find out the ncaa decision and what will it be Uh, and it's been a kind of a season of of waiting and waiting and waiting and uh you know we're going to have some type of some type of conclusion here soon um where you know here in the next week and a half we're we're going to at least know um you know what can, can mizzou get to that win number six
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that unfortunately, the two main topics of this podcast are very well intertwined. If, let's say, Missouri doesn't make a bowl next year, you kind of, or Missouri gets to win number six, but the bell band gets over, upheld. And so Missouri can't go to a bowl this year, or they hereafter. You know, there's a chance that Missouri's 2020 postseason could be decided right now. So you basically have a free year to hand to Barry of prove you deserve to be our coach in 2021 that could that's a scenario that is not as far fetched as it once seemed cuz it seemed completely far fetched about 3 weeks ago but, uh, yeah, uh, before we get into our conversation with Blake Topmeyer of the Knoxville News Sentinel, and Kevin tells you about our local sponsors, I want to give you uh, a shout-out to our national sponsor for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. And the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salad. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or order, on, or order online at Zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And the Columbia location for Zaxby's is right off 63 North and Stadium Drive. Go check it out for some delicious chicken fingers. Just was there yesterday. It was good stuff. We were okay. It's good, good, stuff, good to hear. All right. Well, here's Kevin with our uh, local sponsors, and then on the other side, we'll talk to Blake Topmeyer of the Knoxville News Sentinel.
1: We would like to thank our sponsors for the Missouri Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event their passion for food service and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event no matter the size they will work with you to bring your vision to life phyllis nichols state farm insurance there when things go wrong here to help life go right and now back to our podcast
0: sports podcast this time is the Tennessee football beat writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel and probably a familiar face to a lot of you out there the Columbia Daily Tribune I guess Missouri football beat writer Emeritus Emeritus I don't know if there's a double word for Emeritus but two before me Blake Topmeyer. how are you doing sir
2: I'm doing well Eric thanks for having me on
0: Good. Uh, is there is there a word for double emeritus? I mean, uh, the, the Danny Danny Jones before me, and then you Danny took over for you. Is there is there a word for that? I don't know. I don't
2: I don't yeah. I don't know that there is, but it's uh, it's been a, a pretty good run of, of writers here over the years. So it was uh, yeah, it was a fun time uh, working at the Tribune. I was there for uh, almost four years, so definitely enjoyed my time in Columbia.
0: Do you have a favorite memory covering Missouri football or Missouri athletics as a whole?
2: Um, You know, because I covered uh, non-revenue sports as a beat writer before I I went to football. And uh, the the main season I was covering football, Tennessee, or or, excuse me, Missouri, was not particularly good. Um, So I'd say probably the top memories would include covering Jaden Cox. Uh, He was such a uh, vibrant personality or is such a vibrant personality and uh, obviously an an awesome athlete as well. I covered uh, I had the opportunity to cover two of his three national championships, the first one in Oklahoma City, uh, and then it was either his second or third national title, I think his third, maybe, in uh, St. Louis. Uh, so I'd say covering uh, Jaden was uh, something that, that stands out.
0: And then you made the move to Knoxville, I think, the right before the 2017 season of Memory serves me right. So in, in your time, I guess now your third season covering the Vols, how, how, does, how do things go in Knoxville? I mean, is it is it as kind of cutthroat of a fan base as people make it sound?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's different, I'll say. You know, and, and the way I describe it to people sometimes is most Tennessee football fans are... T- Tennessee football is their number one team, and it's a huge gap to their number two team. You know, they might be Tennessee football fans, and then they also like Vols basketball, or they like the Lady Vols, or they like the Titans or the Braves. Uh, whereas I think a lot of Missouri fans... You know, maybe Missouri's the, their number two team behind the Cardinals or the Chiefs, or maybe Missouri is their number one team. But, you know, right behind that is the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Royals or something like that. And, and you know, I don't know that there's a, a big separation a lot of times for uh, people in the Missouri fan base. And, and that's OK. That's that's perhaps even healthier. Uh, but a lot of Tennessee fans are not that way. They, they are Vols football uh, first. And, and like I said, it's, it's an enormous gap to what's second.
0: So, tell me how how kind of this season has gone. I mean, it seems like Missouri has had a Jekyll and Hyde season, but maybe Tennessee has had even even more Jekyll and Hyde season than Missouri has?
2: Certainly, two of the more interesting teams in the the SEC, I think, for kind of opposite reasons, as you were saying there. Like the first couple weeks of the season, Tennessee was a mess. I mean, they, they lost to Georgia State on their home field then they had BYU beat. They let them tie it on, on uh, you know, a defensive bust at the end of the game. And, and they lost in overtime. And so the Vols were sitting at 0-2 for the first time since 1988. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, Jeremy Pruitt, if not the hot seat, was on the it's getting pretty warm seat. And then, you know, they've gone in the opposite direction after a 1-4 start, one four out of their last five. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, you know, Pruitt looks pretty good and certainly is fine for next season. And, and the Vols are, uh, you know, looking forward to the possibility of a bowl game. And, and Missouri, uh, you know, as you alluded to there, the, the, the opposite. And I think Missouri is probably the most underachieving team in the SEC this season. I mean, a team I think that, that has quite a bit of talent, that had a manageable schedule. Uh, you know, I think this should have been, could have been like a nine win team. Uh, in Missouri this year, and and I, I really can't think of a team in the SEC where I think they uh, had, you know, realistic expectations, and they've underachieved to the level of what Missouri has this season.
0: I'd agree. Would you consider Tennessee then the team who's overachieved the most?
2: Well, if they finish seven and five, um, maybe a. L- I guess it depends whether the expectations were reset. You know I mean? Coming into the season, I think most people felt like Tennessee was a team that could win six, seven games. And I still think that's about where they're going to finish at the end of the regular season. It was just after that start at 0-2, uh, you know, a lot of Vols fans were bracing themselves for the possibility of like a 3-9 and nine season. And so I guess if the expectations were reset, then... Uh, you could say that, uh, but overall, I, I think they're probably going to finish about where they thought they were. It's just the way they got there is is a is a place nowhere no one expected. I mean, no one expected them to start 0 and two, and then perhaps go seven and five. I think the 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 more prevailing thought was that maybe they'd go four and zero in the non conference and pick up three conference wins. Uh, when in reality, you know, Tennessee, if they can beat Missouri and Vanderbilt. Uh, certainly not a given, but if they can do that, then they they finish five and three in the SEC,
0: which I don't think was many people expected. Do you know who's starting a quarterback on uh, Saturday, or is it? <laughs> it, uh, it's, yeah. it was kind of a joke, but uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: who, who, like that's been a question. Uh, For like seven weeks now, Uh, you know, Tennessee, it's really been interesting what they've done with their quarterback situation. Jarrett Garantano started the first four games of the season, was expected to be the starter all year long. Uh, You know, he was he was the guy that took over the starting job midway through the 17 season, started every game at 18 and had high expectations for his uh, junior season here. And didn't go as planned. He, he had a, you know, a, a kind of an up-and-down game against Georgia State in the opener. He was pretty poor against BYU in the second game. And, and things just kept going south for him. And, and the coaching staff thought they had to make a move. And they did so to freshman Brian Maurer. But then Garantano has played off the bench in six consecutive games and has actually kind of restored his name he was the biggest well that and the defense were were the reasons that tennessee was able to rally past kentucky a couple weeks ago and so now all of a sudden i feel like he he could reclaim his starting job uh against missouri on saturday if not i think he'll still play behind brian mauer but yeah i think there's a real possibility that that we could see garantano make his first starts in september
0: who are some of the other playmakers on this team that Missouri should be aware of? But well,
2: Ty Chandler's a, a solid running back. Uh, he's got some home run potential, but he's also—he's not the biggest guy. He's about two oh five, but he can—you uh, know—he can run between the tackles too, and uh, so he's a pretty good running back. T- Tennessee's strength is its wide receiver core. Uh, they got a couple guys. Marquez Callaway is as good on fifty-fifty balls as probably. It's probably anybody in the SEC. Uh, you know, he's maybe not the best route runner. He's got good speed, not great speed. But in terms of, you know, just throwing up a 50-50 ball, uh, he's he's as good as anybody in this conference. And then Jawan Jennings is more of your possession receiver, good route runner, physical guy. Uh, he's, he's having a really solid senior season and, and probably will get some all-conference conversation. Defensively, they've got some seniors that, have really stepped up lately you know people ask why tennessee has been able to go four and one in its last five games and i look first and foremost at those seniors on defense guys like daniel batuli who had 19 tackles in their last game against kentucky daryl taylor uh has established himself as as one of the premier pass rushers in the sec and then nigel warrior the senior safety it's playing his best football of his life. Uh, he started the season not playing particularly well. There was even some thought of, you know, maybe whether they would take him out of the starting lineup. Well, that's past him now, and, and he's he's playing really good ball. So those seniors are really sparking what Tennessee has been doing lately on defense.
0: And then I'll, I'll ask you this: if uh, you saw this, I think you saw the spread was five points for Missouri, were favored coming in. Do you think that was fair? And then, if so, what's your final score prediction? And can Tennessee cover?
2: it was pretty curious you know i mean every time i, I kind of have a reaction to a spread i got to remind myself like well you know those guys in vegas more times than not know a lot more than than we do when it comes to uh, setting those betting lines but it did seem a little bit out of sorts uh with the way tennessee's been playing lately as compared to the way missouri's been playing lately and you know i know missouri's been better at at home this season but still These feel like teams trending in the opposite directions. And uh, so, yeah, if I was a a betting man, I would I would take the balls and the points. And I've I've actually picked the balls to win this game outright. And I think my score prediction was uh, 2420. So I feel like the strength of both these teams is probably their defense. Um, and, and two teams that you know, haven't been particularly great offensively in the last few weeks. But Tennessee has shown during this recent stretch that they're comfortable winning some of those low-scoring games. They beat Kentucky 17-13 on the road. Uh, they beat Mississippi State 20-10 to kind of get this good stretch of, of play started for the Vols. So I, I feel like you know maybe they can get themselves into one of those defensive struggles again and, and come out on top by a close margin.
0: So when you come back to Columbia, uh, where's your go-to? And you know, do you have any traditions when you're coming back here? Because you said you lived here for four years.
2: Yeah, I always my favorite restaurant in Columbia was actually Coley's. Um, I know it's, uh, I feel like it's a little bit underrated. Doesn't get as much buzz around Columbia as I think it deserves. But uh, I always liked Coley's. I'm going to try to to hit it while I'm in town. Uh, in terms of grabbing a drink, I, I liked to go to Billiards uh, a lot. And I've heard, though, that they moved their shuffleboard table out of there, that they don't have shuffleboard anymore, which I find pretty disappointing.
0: I believe that's uh, correct, that, yeah.
2: Yeah, that was one of the reasons I like Billiards, is I could play shuffleboard there. But, yeah, those were a couple of my favorite stops. And then I always liked Uh, uh I would go in there and work from Caldey's usually about a couple times a week to kind of change up the scenery and I actually uh, you know Knoxville has a great food and beverage scene they're, they're downtown I think Knoxville is one of the, the best SEC cities and I, I would actually uh, I would rank uh, Columbia Mo in the top half of the SEC as well in terms of uh, you know, fun SEC cities. But Knoxville's got a great food and beverage scene, but I have not found a coffee shop that I like as much as Caldys. Caldys certainly has the edge for me uh, in, in coffee shops as compared to anything I've found in Knoxville.
0: And you mentioned it a little earlier about uh, Tennessee's defense. Do, do they have pitfalls that Missouri you think could take advantage of? I mean, it, it's been, I, I could read a bunch of statistics to you right now about just what's been going wrong the past four weeks the losses to Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida. But, you know, just, I mean, 30 possessions without a touchdown, 27 points, 145 game minutes without a touchdown, just things like that is there pitfalls where you can see that missouri could take advantage of when their offense has pretty much been dormant for a month and a half well
2: you know coming into the season tennessee's probably biggest question mark was its defensive line and and it's been a unit that early in the season you kind of saw why it was a, a really big question mark as the season has gone along it has steadily improved i still don't think I'd call it a team strength though so if there's there's a weaker unit on the defense I would say it's probably the defensive line and so if Tennessee um, or if if Missouri can get some run game going then I would say that's probably gives it the best chance for some offensive success there you know if you look at that first drive that Kentucky had against Tennessee in that game a couple weeks ago uh, the Wildcats were were having their way up front and Lynn Bowden was uh, you know functioning at his best in, in that formation that uh, Kentucky operates out of there with basically a glorified wildcat. Now, Tennessee adjusted to that really well in the second half and uh, and shut Kentucky down after halftime, but I think that's, you know, it's, it's really a gimmick offense that Kentucky's running, so I think that's kind of prone to happen, but, uh, you know, If Missouri can establish the run, I feel like that that could be an area for success. And another thing is, you know, Tennessee has had trouble at times against a running quarterback. I know Kelly Bryant does not run as much as he did at Clemson, but if he's getting a little bit healthier now and and can run a little bit, I think that's something that could possibly give Tennessee some trouble as well.
0: All right. uh, Plug everything. Where can people find you online if they don't already read your stuff? And uh, just plug everything you got going on this week.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm at Twitter, at VTotMeyer. I hope uh, some Missouri fans – well, I I shouldn't say I hope. I know some Missouri fans still follow me, and I I appreciate their follow. I I love hearing from them. And uh, online, my coverage is at
0: KnoxNews.com. Are you Will you be the only one coming from uh, Knoxville, from the paper? We
2: will we will have a, a couple guys. Uh, Mike Wilson, who uh, covers Tennessee basketball and helps out on football, will be in town. And uh, our columnist, uh, John Adams, will, will be there as well. John as uh, maybe the long—I well, don't know. It's probably between John and Cecil Hurt and Pat Dooley in terms of who's got the title of the, the longest-standing columnist in the SEC.
0: All right, sounds good. Well, thanks again, Blake. That was Blake Topmeyer from the Knoxville News Sentinel, former Tribune staffer. Thanks for coming on this podcast, which I'm sure you actually appeared on a couple times over the years. I know you appeared maybe most recently with Danny at SC Media Days last year, but you were a frequent guest when you actually worked here. So nice to have you back on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Eric. Lake once again, for being our on-the-beat guest this week. Hopefully, we learned something from that. And uh, now we'll go on to the non-basketball stuff. Or, sorry, the non-football stuff. My apologies. Uh, we had some men's basketball last night and Monday. Uh, women's basketball is playing tonight at South Dakota, but they've had not the best run of luck as of late. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, volleyball played last night. Lost in straight sets to uh, Kentucky. Kentucky which, it was. Yeah. Which one of those do you want to dive into first?
1: Well, I guess we we can start with men's basketball out of out of those. Sure. Um, you know, really defensively, a strong first five games for the Tigers. Um, you know what? What is that stat? It's the f- first time since 1951 that Mizzou has allowed uh, 63 or fewer points in each of the first five games in That's a season. Correct. Yeah, um,
0: and they did an in eight straight in 1951. So, granted.
1: You know the, the four wins so far, uh, and have been against mid-major competition. Uh, but you, you gotta you gotta think that like Conzo is, is happy with the production of the defense now. It's just kind of the, the offense, especially last night. It was just there was a lack of consistency. Anybody not named Mark Smith uh, went one of seventeen. From threes, yeah, that was bad. um So I think positives on defense, and and still some stuff to figure out. Certainly um, on both sides, but but particularly with the offense going up, up against some some better competition in Kansas City this this coming Monday and Tuesday.
0: Yeah, this week they've had wins over Wofford and Moorhead. States are four and one going to the Hall of Fame Classic. Will they face, as you said, Butler on Monday, then Oklahoma or Stanford based on results on Tuesday? Uh, it, it's not that this team is doing bad right now offensively is just defensively. They've been very strong. I think on Ken Palm, they're seventh in defici- uh, defensive efficiency and all teams you'd recognize are above them. Michigan State's, the Louisville's of, of the world. Uh, but That's right where you want to be. Th- that's fantastic. I mean, seventh among 353, I think it is. It's pretty, pretty good. Um, and you have to keep in mind that Uh, Missouri has not given up more than 56 points in regulation to any opponent. It's 63 or less for um, every game, but... Xavier scored 12 points in overtime, and they had 51 after regulation. It'd be 56 points or less. It would be the stat of Mark, that Mark Smith shot in Cincinnati uh, a little over a week ago. goes a little bit deeper done at the rim, uh, at the buzzer. But so far, so good defensively. Yes, they faced almost next to no one. I mean, I think Wofford, outside of Xavier, was their toughest opponent uh, in terms of where they're ranked on Ken Palm, but... Yeah, if you're supposed to take the take it to the woodshed against these opponents, Missouri has done that to a certain degree. I, I think that you would want to see maybe more of this offense come together a little bit quicker, but that's not the style these Konzo teams play. You know, I, that's why my story from uh, that's appearing in I guess it would be Friday's Tribune at this point, uh, kind of on just how the defense has improved and how you know or, or how they hope to improve over the course of the season and how that's just such a point of emphasis for this team maybe not, it's just a different way that it's kind of coached compared to others, makes it such a defining characteristic. Yes, offense, you can't score, you can't, you know, you can't win games, but... You know, just the way that it's kind of preached from Konzo is just a little bit more uh, maybe intense than what it is in your normal college basketball team. Uh, And it'll take its biggest test coming up this next week. And then it'll come back down for a little while after that with, uh, you know, I think there's only maybe four games left until SEC play starts where they're facing a team that's in the top 100 of Ken Palm. Obviously, it'll be Stanford-Oklahoma next Tuesday, Butler on Monday. They got at Temple on December 7th and then the Bragg and Wrights game for Illinois. There might be one more in there, but I think that's it, actually. And then once SEC play starts, you have the last non-conference game against West Virginia. But then, so 19 games in the new year of basically just, here's all your tough tests. So Missouri can get all these kinks kind of worked out now and have a good record where, I mean, ideally Missouri is like 12, 13, and 1, but I don't see them not getting tripped up by one of those four teams at least once. So maybe having only two, three losses heading, heading into SEC play.
1: As far as the the women's team uh, tough start uh, kind of an uncharacteristic start for uh for the program under Robin pinchton uh in one in three now and uh, like you mentioned playing at uh, South Dakota tonight, which is uh, thursday night uh, but Saturday on the road at green bay seventy two to sixty four loss um from what you've seen, Eric, I mean, what what do you think is is going right, and when what what's more importantly going wrong at, at this point for for the Mizzou women?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I think you just mentioned something above it, but Mizzou hasn't won a regulation yet. Yeah, you know, there's, and now you see how this has to just work and how this has to happen, where um, Missouri just something isn't clicking, and you can see the talent, you can see that they have. You know, some good seniors. And it's not just like the it, it, that it's life after Sophie. And that's why what's, what's happening here, because Lauren Aldridge played a big role. Sierra Porter played a big role. I mean, you lost Akira Levy to the transfer portal. I think just some of the moving parts maybe that chemistry hasn't flown in high pressure situations as much as I think it would have at this point this year. Uh, Missouri clearly has talent. It's just that the talent isn't combining in a way that right now is making them incredibly successful. Uh, They have time to work it out, and I'm sure that no one's being harder on them than Robin Pinchton is. But it seems a little even weird to say this team is 1-3 right now because of the standard that she's upheld throughout her entire Missouri career. Uh, So, obviously, and South Dakota is not an easy test tonight. They beat them here last year. They were an NCAA tournament team last year. So, this could easily be one and four. And then, obviously, SIU-Edwardsville, I think that's a, like, probably a win on Sunday. Sunday at 2 o'clock. And yeah. that's, that's back at home. But that's back at home. So, then you have some tests coming up. I mean, and every game has been close. It's not yeah. like they've been completely blown out yet. Now
1: you're looking at that. That Nebraska loss was 90-85 to 85 in overtime. Mm-hmm. Northern Iowa has five points, regulation, lost 78-73, and... Than Green Bay that that game that we mentioned seventy two sixty four
0: they're right they're right there it's just those right there situations. you're losing by
1: five by five by seven uh, by eight excuse me um, th- they're right there just not able to finish and and you, you just you just wonder if you you have some um, you know freshmen coming in that that that's star class um, and Haley Frank has has really impressed Asia Blackwell. Um, has kind of had 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 lots of big moments but also some ups and downs um, in the early going and and just the the ability of of, of them to mix with some of that senior core um, I, I think we even, we even said before the season that, you know it's going to take some time
0: now that's just kind of working itself out yeah I, I completely agree and uh, we'll see how it goes for them i mean it's still early in the season for them I think that next week they're actually going to cancun I have yeah, right. yeah, over so, Thanksgiving. So that 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 will be nice for them. I'm sure no one is uh, jealous that you're uh, you're spending Thanksgiving in Cancun, Mexico. Although it's a work trip for them. So. Thanksgiving Day, uh,
1: there's a game, Missouri versus New Mexico at three o'clock Central but yeah, cancun is not
0: in central time <laughs> i think they're actually in pacific so it's me one o'clock in local time in cancun so and then the day after that black friday uh tigers take on
1: north carolina and that's a five thirty uh central time here so of course different time zone
0: but uh yeah. that's what it would be here all right well now uh, we'll get into a little bit of volleyball before we head out of here uh Volleyball looks like they were in a really good spot until last night. Maybe to even host some NCAA tournament games, I might have to run the table and then get some help now. Uh, They lost in straight sets for the second time this season to Kentucky last night. Kentucky, who's right at the top of the SEC, ranked 14th in the country coming into last night. Really... Flex their power, if nothing else, against Missouri, won in straight sets. Um, And Missouri, their kind of resurgent midseason run here kind of came to a a halt last night. But, I mean, this team's NCAA tournament berth is all but locked up already. It was just a matter of where they kind of fall, whether they get to host, whether they're right off the off the one line. And it looks like they're on the two line now. Uh, and maybe if they even fall to the three line, because the four line is kind of made up of those lower conference teams that only get one team no matter what, as opposed to the seven or eight bids the SEC is going to get. So, it looks like as of right now, Missouri will travel to another college campus. They, I think they went to Nebraska last year. Uh, it looks like that's kind of where things are going to fall, but still a very successful season for now, full-time head coach Josh. Yeah, Taylor. Yeah, the interim tag is off. For, the interim uh, tag is uh, off. For Josh so, Taylor.
1: and you, you, you look at the, the body of work this season: eighteen and seven, ten and five, and in, uh, in the SEC, um, disappointing loss at Kentucky and there's a reason Kentucky is ranked number 14 in the country and uh, you can you kind of use that as a measuring stick of okay like there there's still is a ways for this team to go and here, we'll see how, how quickly they can kind of make up some of that ground going into the rest of the year with the regular season um, coming to a close here soon um, but Sunday they, they play at Tennessee another chance just to kind of you know put it in the rearview mirror right away uh, like like Josh said after the match last night even and and uh, and just kind of see if they can finish out this regular season strong going into what what looks to be, yeah, definitely a lock for the NCAA tournament. Just maybe
0: not hosting uh, at this point. All right. Well, if you're still listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast, thank you so much for listening. Kevin, just give us the outro. For the Mizzou Sports Podcast, until next time.